The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. America is a nation in decline. And if you disagree with that, then please tell me how in a free country a man could be minding his own business, sweeping up his kitchen at 1.30 in the morning when the lovable sitcom character Alf kicks down his door and shoves a hose in his throat. Huh? You got an answer for that? America's burning people. And then we travel to Australia, the Alphalus country as it's known, to join a young school teacher on a walk. She's just enjoying nature. Feeling the warm sunshine on her skin. Birds chirping in the trees. But everything changes when she found a statue. Missing an arm. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing out in the world, being you, unless you're a shapeshifter, and then I hope you're having fun being someone else. But someone who I know only shapeshifts twice a year walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now. Everyone give it up for one of our Thanksgiving live stream contributors, an idea guy. Woohoo! Yeah! Walk on in. Walk on into Dead Rabbit Command. Long time supporter of the show. An idea guy, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. You guys know what I'm going to say. You can't support the Patreon if you can't support the show financially. That is okay. You're not a freeloader, which a lot of other podcasters call people who don't give them money. It's ridiculous. It's okay. Just help spread the word about the show. That helps out so much. I really, really do appreciate it that support as well. You guys don't have to give me money. An idea guy, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Put your seatbelts on. We're driving all the way out to Texas. An idea guy's leading the way. Now, I got to be honest, when I start this story, I have the vaguest memory of one of you guys suggesting this story, and I don't know who it was. So if that's the case and I forget to name you in this episode, just shoot me an email and I'll I'll make it. I'll make it up to you somehow. Because I don't I like giving people credit for when they send me these stories. This story's nuts, and I, I have a vague recollection of someone sending it to me and I read it and go, Oh, that's just that's this <laughs> is just nuts. This is just nuts. And I go, I don't know. I might honestly be too weird. Like, did this guy make it up? But um, here we go. Here we go journey, journeying into the story that here's the... This guy either had one of the most bizarre encounters or he has some sort of substance abuse problem and undiagnosed, or maybe diagnosed, but he's not telling us mental problems. This is nuts. It's June 17th, 2015. We're in the town of Red Oak, Texas. It's 1.30 in the morning, and 
this guy posted this. He sent this, I believe, to Lon Strickler for Phantoms and Monsters. They definitely did cover it. He might have sent it to somebody else, and then Lon Strickler picked it up. But he doesn't give his name. We do get an exact date and a location, so I'll take that. We don't have his name. I'm going to go ahead and call him Tommy. Tommy is sweeping up his kitchen at 1.30 in the morning. I don't know much about Red Oak, Texas, but I know a lot about Orangevale, California. If someone's sweeping, if someone is doing any sort of chores at 1.30 in the morning, meth is probably involved. But I'm not, now, 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 legally, I'm not saying Tommy is a meth user. I don't know if he is. I just know in my life, I, I never used it, but I just have known a lot of people who have had, have had family members that have been meth heads. I do know that if you're sweeping, if you're doing any sort of chores, you're doing a puzzle, you're doing a puzzle at 1.30 in the morning, maybe he can't sleep, right? Maybe that's just my own life experiences on a, my uncle repairing, <laughs> attempting to repair a car engine at 1.30 in the morning. He found some springs at a junkyard and he goes, oh, this will finally let me soup up that engine, that half engine block that's in grandma's shed. I'll finally finish building my car. Tommy's sweeping up his kitchen. It's 1.30 in the morning, and he's sitting there sweeping, minding his own business. And his son, Tommy's son, kicks in the kitchen door. But Tom, it takes Tommy aback, right? No one expects that. I mean, I guess if there's a lot of meth in the house, you know someone's going to kick in your door eventually. It's either the police or people going, hey, you got some meth? Someone kicks in his door. Again, for legal reasons, I do not know if Tommy is a meth addict, or just does meth, or is a meth aficionado, or or even knows how to spell it. I don't know. But somebody kicks it. Well, it's not just somebody. His kitchen door gets kicked in, and standing there now in the kitchen is Tommy's son. Well, Tommy's son is dripping wet. He's head to toe soaked. But it wasn't raining outside. Wasn't raining outside. So a mystery is afoot. Tommy realizes something's wrong. <laughs> Whenever you see a relative and they're dripping wet, it's always a problem when one of your relatives is soaking wet. Tommy looks at his son and figures that the this dude, this dude totally does this guy has to do This guy totally has to be on something. If you looked at someone who came into your house and they were soaking wet from head to toe and it wasn't raining, what would you think? I'd figure maybe someone sprayed him with a hose, a extremely exuberant water balloon fight. I don't know. Went to SeaWorld and came back just in time to watch Daddy sweep. Tommy looks at his son, he's dripping wet, dripping wet, and goes, have you been out jogging? an actual quote. Have you been jogging? Well, the son doesn't answer him. He simply walks up to Tommy, touches his head. Tommy passes out. Tommy wakes up the next morning and he had slept so deeply that he actually missed work. He slept through pretty much his entire work. His work shift was not sweeping up the kitchen. His boss called him up and goes, Tommy, where are you? Where are you? How come you didn't come to work today? You're a no-call, no-show. Like, not only were you not at work, you didn't tell anyone you weren't going to be at work. What in the world 
How? And I imagine at this point, the boss stopped himself and goes, you know what? I don't even care. I don't even care what story's about to come out of your mouth. Because Tommy, the reason why he wasn't able to go to work was because his sweaty son touched his head. Which I imagine is pretty much what he had told his boss. And I imagine the boss just hung up. He was so deeply asleep after he got his forehead touched, he slept through his shift. Also, it turns out that his son came home at 7 in the morning and wasn't covered in sweat. He wasn't soaking wet. So Tommy realizes, oh my God, who was that or what was the thing that came into the house last night? What was that? Because his son's like, dude, no, I got home. I got home at 7 in the morning. I don't know. I don't know why you're saying that I was all sweaty, Dad. And I don't know why you're saying I got here at 1.30. And I definitely don't know why you think me touching your head made you late for work. This is just getting weird. Could you imagine growing up in this house? Could you imagine having a parent who... Well, that's not fair because a lot of people have paranormal events happen to them, right? A lot of people have stuff. We cover them all the time on this show. The reason why I think I'm going so hard on Tommy is because of what happens next. Really what he's doing is he's telling the story, trying to prove that something imitating his son came into his house. And of course, I mean, obviously I've made a bunch of jokes about, uh, (laughs) you know, that lighthearted subject, drug abuse. I made a ton of jokes about that. But I will give Tommy credit for this. He has proof. He has proof. He goes, listen, I actually, I don't know how this worked out, but I was calling my son at the exact moment that this imposter walked into the house. I don't don't remember it. But somehow, I had called my son. So, if I had called my son and my son didn't pick up the phone, then there must be an audio recording of what happened. You know, because like it would go to voicemail and he's holding the phone when this thing came into the house. So maybe I'll figure out what happened. And he said, here's the thing. I played the voicemail. It shows that I sent a voicemail to my son's phone at 1.30 a.m. So I got his phone and we played the voicemail. And you hear a door crashing open. And then you hear Tommy say, have you been out jogging? And then you hear the sound of a struggle. You hear the sound of two adults struggling and something or someone falling to the ground and you hear a dog barking. As the dog is barking in the background, you hear an entity. You hear some sort of coarse, nearly demonic voice say his name three times. Tommy. 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 And you start to hear the sound. He said it sounded like a, a radio frequency, a radio channel being changed. Definitely inhuman, right? Now, the entity quotes, said my name three times in a growling, garble voice. 
He says specifically it sounded like the voice from the movie Fourth Kind. Remember that movie with starring Mila Jovovich? Or according to him, according to him, Mia Pultovich. Maybe it's a Mandela effect. Maybe he just doesn't know actors. I don't know. Mila Jovovich. Mia Pultovich. You know, now you're like Jason. Now you're just picking on this guy. You, you of all people who can't pronounce states' names. You can't even pronounce major geographical places. And you're making fun of this guy. Mila Jovovich is actually a pretty hard name to pronounce. Anyways, garbled voice from that movie, Fourth Kind, starring Mia Pultovich. So you go, okay, Jason, at least he has evidence. Like, out of all the stuff you cover, hauntings and UFO, people get abducted by aliens, this dude has a voicemail. Like, you've been going hard on this guy. You basically called him a method for the first ten minutes. This guy has proof. He has a voicemail. And surely he included the voicemail when he wrote out this account. Just attach a little voicemail to the email. Well, yeah, he would have. He totally would have. But the aliens, the aliens got to his voicemail and they changed it. So before, the very first time he heard it, he hears a kitchen door getting kicked in, a voice going at him saying, have you been out jogging? And then the sound of two adults kind of struggling, a dog barking, his voice being growled out three times. But now... He says, I'm not even going to bother sending you the voicemail because the aliens got to it. And what happens is if you hear the voicemail now, all you hear is Tommy... <laughs> Imagine the son getting this email. Imagine the son getting this uh, voicemail, I mean. Being like, what in the world? Dad, I don't want to go. I don't even want to go home. Can I spend the night at one of your guys' house? You... <laughs> the voicemail at 1.30 in the morning from your dad... All it is, this is all that's on the voicemail now, is Tommy go, your phone rings, let's put it you, your phone rings, 1.30 in the morning, and you, you avoid the call because it's your dad and he's nuts. Then you listen to voicemail, and it's your dad saying, have you been out jogging? And then you hear, like, a struggling. Is it the sound of two men struggling around, or is it him struggling with the broom or struggling to stand up? We don't know. You just hear Tommy say, have you been out jogging? And then a little bit of a struggle noise, some sniffling, like Tommy had a runny nose, and a dog barking. And then the voicemail ends. I think I need to change my actual voicemail message to, have you been out jogging? <laughs> just Then you can just leave your message. So the aliens got to it. You, you can't say that he didn't provide proof. He had proof. It just got altered. But here's the thing. I'll give him credit for this. I'll give him credit for this. He has video footage, right? That's even better than audio. <laughs> the man with the podcast says he has video footage. And along with these articles, there are two photographs of what, to me... Looks a lot like the demon from Sinister. What was his name? Bagul. Good movie. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to pick him up on video in my house, especially video for Bagul. But he says, Tommy goes, when I look at him, 
I see Alf, the lovable, huggable character from the 80s sitcom. Alf, alien life form. He says he has a big nose like Alf does. I don't see it. But I would have to say, I'd feel like, you know, we're quibbling over fallen straws. If I'm saying it looks like Bagul, he's saying it looks like Alf, but it might just be some sort of interdimensional demon walking around his kitchen. And he goes on the video, what he sees is Alf blowing gas into his face, or... This is a pretty big difference between the two, right? These big difference. Alf was either blowing gas into his face or operating on him. Huge difference between the two. If someone said, hey, Jason, can I blow this gas in your face? I mean, I'd probably say no either way. But if someone said, I'm going to blow some gas in your face. And before I could answer, they started operating on me instead. I'd be like, this isn't part of the deal. Plus, I should probably get new friends if these are the options they give me. This entity was either blowing gas in his face or operating on him. And in the background of this video, you hear... The Devil's Rejects. He was, he was watching The Devil's Rejects. Okay, so he's confirmed. I like The Devil's Rejects. That's like the methiest movie of all time. He's watching The Devil's Rejects at 1.30 in the morning while he's cleaning up his kitchen. In the video, Alf is blowing gas into his face. Well, you can hear The Devil's Rejects playing in the background. And then the entity just walks away. We, unfortunately, don't get to see the video, but he did provide two photographs of this. I mean, listen, I wouldn't want this thing in my house. This thing is absolutely terrifying looking. It's possible that he just took photos. Let's be honest, it's possible that he just accidentally took photos of the television screen and he was watching Sinister or something like that. But, I mean, it's interesting because this is one of those stories... Where he absolutely... I guess it does kind of look like Alf. I pulled the photos back up. Like, you can kind of see what he's talking about. But, okay, so he originally reported this to MUFON, which which is the Mutual UFO Network. And then uh, Lon Strickler got it from there. And Phantoms and Monsters is a great, great resource. You go there all the time. Like, here's the thing. I mean, obviously, if you had to categorize this outside of some sort of meth hallucination, it seems alien because it has the medical procedure going on, the gas blowing and or operating. It's a fascinating story. This is one of those things, right? Like, is this guy nuts? Was this a real encounter? <laughs> okay, wait, here's the thing. It could have been, right? It totally could have been a real encounter. In the world of the paranormal, it, it's, it's such on the verge of madness. It really is. Even stories I know that are 100% authentic because either I experienced them or people I truly trust experienced them, they still sound crazy. That's the first thing. When I started really experiencing stuff, I thought I was going crazy. So there is that border between the real and the unknowable, and that's where paranormal investigation sits. And you do have stuff like this that is just so insane. 
And if you took this story apart and only looked at individual pieces like aliens changing voicemails or evidence disappearing, that stuff happens in the world of the paranormal. Shapeshifters, that stuff happens in the world of the paranormal. It's just the character who's telling it. It's the person who this happened to. When you look at it in total, it seems like the rantings of a madman. Did this story actually happen? Did he hallucinate it? Was this all a hallucination? And even when he's listening to voicemails, he was still hallucinating stuff? Who knows? Like, honestly, I think that's the scarier version of it. Because it's the story of a man who's completely lost his mind. And I would say if you were some sort of demonic entity, if you were something with nefarious intent, you would seek out the mentally ill. We did an episode on that. We were talking about aliens experimenting on people who can't communicate, right? They can't communicate. They're in a medical state where they can't move. They can't talk. Would that be the perfect place for aliens to do experimentation? Because they can never tell anyone about it. And this would be the same thing. You show up to someone who's insane, blow gas in their face, and they're like, you guys won't believe it. You guys, well, boss, please don't fire me. Please don't fire me. I got gas blown in my face by ALF. Nobody's going to believe them. It's actually the perfect target. That's what I would do. If I was an alien, I would only experiment on hardcore drug users and the mentally ill. (laughs) Shows how inhuman I would be if I was an alien. Because what are you going to do? You can't stop me. But luckily, I'm not an alien. (laughs) Luckily, I do have human morals to guide me. And idea guy, let's go ahead and leave behind Red Oak, Texas. I don't think we have enough time for the statue story. Let's go ahead and I'm going to do a swap out here real quick. Because this is another story I wanted to talk about. And idea guy, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys of the carbon copter. We are leaving behind Red Oak, Texas. Fly us all the way out to a secret doctor's office. <laughs> One of the great things about doing this podcast is I can spend over a half hour calling him, calling a man mentally ill, and now I get to spend the remaining minutes talking about how I believe, <laughs> how I believe that this might be possible. This this insane thing I'm about to tell you, I read about it, and I go, maybe that will work. Maybe that will work. For me, it's all about what you can find and what you can't find. When you come across a conspiracy theory and there are reams and reams of papers, books, articles, videos, podcasts, whatever it is, explaining that conspiracy theory, it makes me think that's that's not true. Maybe a little core of it could be true. But if it was actually dangerous, if it was if you were actually exposing a group of people or an ideology or a conspiracy or a cult that was so powerful, you would never be able to publish it. It would have gotten stopped in the 1800s. You know? Would have been written out of history. And anyone who talked about it would have just disappeared. You never would have heard about it. And that that's always been the thing. So 
when people talk about flat earth, everyone knows about flat earth. Every, even if you just have a passing interest in conspiracy theories, especially if you hate conspiracy theories, you know about flat earth. You may not know how the flat earth people think the world is, where it's just the flat disk and the sun and the moon kind of rotate around. There's tons of theories about what's beyond the Arctic wall and things like that, but you at least know the topic flat Earth. So this idea that NASA, the globalists, in the most literal form, say that the world is a globe because if the world was flat, it would be proof that God exists. That's really what flat Earth theory is. If you knew that the Earth was flat and either went on forever or had this massive ice wall, and then you went millions of miles and there was another version of Earth with their own ice wall, just millions of miles of ice between. You would have to know that God existed. The whole idea that planets circle each other and they form these balls and they're like meteorites and over time all the pressure compresses them into a more circular form. That is science. And science cannot explain a flat Earth. So God must exist. So that's at the core theory of the flat Earth conspiracy theory. Now, if that was true... This never would have been, this would have been completely crushed by all the groups. The second someone started talking about Flat Earth in the 70s or 80s, or even going back to like the 1880s or what have you, they'd have been shot. They would have been killed. And we know that because we know of people who talk about conspiracy theories now that get killed. People like Karen Silkwood who get assassinated. People like Gary Webb who get assassinated for exposing the truth. So when I come across stuff like this, I go, maybe there's something to it. This would be super valuable. This would be a huge thing that you would want to keep secret. Back in the 1700s, there were two esoteric groups. One known as the, and I'm probably going to mispronounce this, Rosicrucians, Rosicrucians, and they were pretty big in conspiracy theory in and of themselves. You see that. You see a lot of mention of them and the Knights Templar and the early Illuminati, right? 17th century. The Rosicrucians and the Magnetizers were these two big esoteric orders. The Magnetizers we talked about a long time ago, they were basically founded on the beliefs of Franz Mesmer, a man who believed that all living things had this magnetic field around them and that's the reason why we use the term mesmerism or hypnosis is from franz mesmer we did a really good episode on that i'll put it in the show notes i learned a lot about hypnosis doing that episode and I, I think about it. I, that's one of those episodes that i still think about from time to time anyways they developed this thing called the sympathetic alphabet and tell me this would not be world-changing, even today, even in everything we have today. The sympathetic alphabet, what it is, is you get two people to have the alphabet tattooed onto their arm. Now, I would suggest you, you make it small, right? You don't want to have these giant block letters covering your entire arm. But imagine a little patch of skin. You can have it done on your hand as well, probably like the back of your hand. But you do it on your arm, I think it would be a little bit easier. You have the alphabet tattooed on your arm. Let's say it's just a couple inches by a couple inches, right? Fairly small. You get the alphabet tattooed. You then slice the skin off of your arm 
not all of it, just the part with the alphabet, you slice it off and it is then removed from your body. And then your partner there, he has his alphabet sliced from his arm. Preferably you made him the same size, right? Probably should, there's probably a lot of planning. Probably a lot of planning that goes into this. They're not just like, oh man, look how tiny my alphabet is. Your alphabet's huge. These We're going to have these big open wounds. Because what you do is, I take my alphabet flesh and I tear it off. And I give it to you. And then I get your alphabet flesh and I put it on my arm. And they basically are healed into us. So you have a patch of my skin and I have a patch of your skin. And it is now basically fusing into... <laughs> Hold all questions till the end, okay? Hold all questions <laughs> Like, Chase, this is so impossible. Who knows? I, I think... Okay, let me just keep going. Let me keep going. So now I have a patch of your skin on my arm, and you have a patch of my skin on your arm, and they're both tattooed with the alphabet. And we take these magnetic needles, these magnetic needles that are actually, like, synchronized to each other. There's like this lodestone that they touch with the needles. So now the needles are in sync. The patches of skin on our arm are in sync. So then you go to Budapest and I'm in Philadelphia and I want to send you a message. I take the needle and I then begin to tap out the message. So I I say I want to tell you that I saw Avatar 2. So I go, I... I'm spelling out the whole thing. Way of the water. You're like, ah! <laughs> because that's what it is. When I'm touching, I saw Avatar 2, Way of the Water, <laughs> 3 p.m. yesterday. You're like, ah! When I'm poking, really, your skin, right? Your skin is attached to my arm. When I'm poking it with this needle on your skin... Well, now you have my skin, right? So on your open wound where my skin has healed over it, you'll feel little pinpricks corresponding with those letters. Because I'm poking... Okay, now, now I realize it honestly took me this long to realize that. How does this work? I read this so many times. I was like, what? This is fantastic. I'm thinking now that I'm thinking about it, like it wouldn't matter if I'm poking your alphabet on my arm. I guess you would. Anyways, let me keep explaining it. When I'm poking it, it's corresponding. Basically, it's like Morse code. It's not Morse code. It's like the straight alphabet. So I can type out stuff, poke stuff in my arm, and you feel it in your arm. And because our alphabets are tattooed the same and in the same place, you be feeling the pinpricks underneath the letter A, V. A. And, and you'd be like, whoa, he saw Avatar 2, Way of the Water. That's all the information I need to know. Quit poking me. I'm doing a full review. <laughs> the CGI was perfection. And it, it's funny because now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm realizing that it doesn't make a ton of sense. But at the same time, I read that and I was like, wow, that's awesome. Like, that would be Wi-Fi before... The corded phone existed. Like in the 1700s, if you were able to send a message across the planet to somebody, you need to get a hold of someone, just poke your arm. That's awesome. And it kind of, 
it kind of makes sense when you think of stuff like quantum entanglement, right? They say, like, you can take two... I can't, I can't explain quantum entanglement. But the idea is you take a molecule, <laughs> you're just shutting it off. You're like, oh, great. Jason, of all people, is going to try to explain quantum entanglement. What YouTube video did you hear about this from, Jason? You take a molecule or an atom, whatever it was, and you can it appears in two points at the same time. And if you interact with this point, they both light up, even though the distance is great. It is a thing. Like, I'll, I'll try to put a... Couple videos in the show notes that will explain it. <laughs> Any video would explain it better than that. But quantum entanglement. I'm basically taking your flesh. It's your flesh still. It's just on my arm now, but it, it's like all the little capillaries are giving it blood and it's healing. That's the other big thing when I thought about it. I don't know if it would heal well. But let's assume that both of those things are correct. I can send you a message across the world. And I read this and I go, oh, like this was from the 17th century. This was from two fairly big groups, right? The Rosicrucians and the Mesmerizers, or the Magnetizers and the Magnetizers. Clearly, there must be tons of stuff about this. There is zero information about this. Zero. All I could find was a Wikipedia article. which I think I was looking up something else and it brought this up. I thought, wow, that's interesting. There must be a ton of stuff written about this. Nothing. There's nothing. There was a television show. I saw on Wikipedia, they go, oh, yeah, this was the plot of a television show. It was some French show, I think. But other than that, there's nothing on this. There's a book where they talk about, like, Fact and Fable and Psychology is a book. Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds. These are books. And then it was, and then there was like a plot in a French, was it French? Yeah. French television show called The Nose of a Notary. I don't know what it's about. If it's about people, if it's about people exchanging their noses and poking them with needles, I'm in. But The Nose of a Notary, it's actually, it looks like it was a movie, a TV movie. But other than that, it's, there's nothing. And this is the type of thing that I could see powerful people wanting to hide. This is something that I could totally see the elite wanting to control. You can't hack it. You can't monitor it. You can't eavesdrop on it. You can't stop it. What's the first thing we see when there's any large-scale uprising in any country nowadays the first thing they do is they go after twitter and then the internet as a whole we see it time and time again but if everyone just had patches of skin on their arm you wouldn't be able to stop it now i'm not saying everyone would engage in this but i think there would be more people doing it it like, again, it was interesting. I wasn't even able to find, like, jokey articles explaining how dumb this was. Like, those books, they're like, yeah, back in time, people used to believe you could poke your arm and send a message. And then that was it. Like, even the books that I was looking at that mentioned it, there, it was just like, yeah, this is something people used to believe. And I'm not saying you have to debunk everything, because at the end of the day, you don't really have to debunk... Well, you know, I think not debunking Flat Earth more vigorously is what caused it to grow. That and 
the YouTube algorithm. It's okay if people want to believe in flat Earth. I actually don't have a problem. I like. I don't agree with it. I don't believe in it. But if people want to believe it, I don't care. One of those conspiracy theories, whatever. So you don't have to necessarily like. I don't need to see a ten-hour-long video debunking this because I think most people could go, ah, oh, that wouldn't work. The skin wouldn't heal right, and it just wouldn't work, Jason. It doesn't. I mean, it's kind of dumb. It wouldn't work. But I'm thinking it might. Because if they're talking about this in the 1700s, and now we know about things like quantum entanglement, that when you take... <laughs> damn it, damn it, I just fast-forwarded to this part. I was hoping he was done talking about quantum entanglement. He's talking about it again. You take two molecules and you spread them apart, right? Two atoms from the same thing. It's your skin. And it's on me. So you're getting that signal to your arm. I mean, it's basically quantum entanglement at its most base form. But they've talked about, like, if you wanted to do long-range communication, if you could use quantum entanglement, you could be halfway across the universe, and I could send a message because I'm talking talking to this molecule, and you're hearing it instantly because it doesn't matter how far apart it is. They still react at the same time because it's the same. It's the same piece of matter. Doesn't matter how far off it's spread. It's still the same. It's quantum entanglement. It's crazy. It's crazy stuff. So couldn't you do that? <laughs> couldn't you do that with arm flesh? It's a. I, I I know I used the word fascinating at least twice an episode. I'm trying to actually stop, but it's so interesting. And what makes it even more interesting to me is that it's pretty much just out of history. It's not even like, look at how dumb this is. People aren't talking about it at all. I stumbled across it on accident. It's so funny. I threw it in my bookmarks and then I came across it on accident like two, three months ago. But I kept coming back to it and I kept kind of looking for stuff. And I was like, like, you'll find a Wiktionary entry on it. But no one's really done a deep dive into it. I, I This is something that I... People are already so tattooed nowadays that why why aren't people trying this, right? Swapping these alphabets. That would be a cool, be a cool tattoo. If you're looking for an idea, if you're listening to a podcast to get a tattoo idea. But this is the type of technology that the powers that be would want to limit us from having. They would want to suppress this information. So the only information that's out there is like six sources spread across the entire internet. Because it might work. And if it worked, it would change the way people communicated. Nothing is private. We did that episode yesterday about how Google is, with the judge's order, I don't want to say they're just handing them out, but Google is, with the judge's order, giving police all your search information and not your search information. They'll give the information of everyone who looked for a particular subject. So a form of communication that you couldn't even be in the other room and listen in on. Like, it truly is impossible to break. It's a code that you can never intercept. Because the only two people who know what's going on are the people with the tattoos. I mean, sure, I guess you could stand over his shoulder and watch what letters he pokes into his arm. That would be what you would have to do. You couldn't even have someone going, hey, did you hear what Charles said the other day? No. 
It's truly secure conversation that can take place instantly anywhere on the planet. And the people in charge can't allow that. They can't allow that. Do I think it would work? I the, the the objections I have to it is the healing of the flesh, right? And you'd have to, like, would you only be able to talk to people who had the same blood type as you? Like, maybe nowadays with skin grafts, it would be, like, doctors know how to graft skin better than they would in the 17th century. I mean, any objection I have to this isn't the part where they're poking the arm. It's, like, how the wounds would heal and things like that. You got a twig, you get a twig, you get a twig underneath the skin, you're like, ah! And your buddy just hears like constant screaming as his arms hurting too. That's really my big objection to it. As a paranormal researcher, I could see this working in some way. But we would never be allowed to know about it. We would never be allowed to use it. You just It's just too dangerous. Not to us, but to them. It's not dangerous because the skin graft may get rejected. <laughs> you might get a twig under your skin. It's because the people on top can't allow it. You can't have a totalitarian government where the people can speak freely. You can't have any government where the people can speak freely, honestly. But you have to have some restrictions. But this would totally avoid all of that. And you'd be able to send messages. And it, 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 would, it would be incredibly dangerous to have this technology, to have this method out there. But the question always is dangerous to who? And then I imagine, like, what if you were the commander? Would you have, you have, like, 18 different alphabets on your arms as you're talking to all your generals? I mean, if it was instantaneous conversation, communication across the globe, yeah, you would. You'd have people with their whole arms, both arms tatted up. They can keep in touch with people. I don't know. At the end of the day, it does sound as insane as anything that Tommy's putting out. Okay, Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe if I had to choose between this form of communication being crazy from the 17th century or Alf bursting into your kitchen with a gas canister, that is crazier. But I, I just think it, I'm glad I was able to pair these two stories together because it does show in the world of the paranormal, crazy is a spectrum. Because a normal person would have listened to the last 20 minutes of this podcast and be like, dude, who is this guy? He's nuts. He honestly thinks you can take the skin off your body. Give it to somebody else and talk to them? That guy's nuts. If you just played that segment, they'd be like, this is what you listen to? This is what you listen to while you're driving to work? You're nuts. It's a spectrum. It's a spectrum. And yeah, I guess the skin, the sympathetic alphabet is pretty insane. It does sound insane. And I don't think it's as insane as your son shape-shifting into Alf as the Devil Rejects plays in the living room. But again, it's a matter of degrees. It really depends on what you think is insane. I think it also depends on how long you've been a paranormal researcher, because at that point, you've seen a lot of stuff. Fascinating technology. Is it real? Can you do it? Would someone be willing to test it? Other than me, I'm not a tattoo guy myself. I'm also not a rip my skin off in an underground doctor's office kind of guy. But I would love to see. I'm surprised people aren't trying this with as many tattoos and body modifications. It's going, maybe they don't know about it. That would be my guess. Or maybe, just maybe, this truly is suppressed, dangerous technology. And simply by talking about it on Dead Rabbit Radio, I may not make it to episode 1,000. 
10 episodes from now, we'll be at episode 1000. Will I make it? Or will the Rosicrucians and the Magnetizers silence this podcast once and for all? That was them driving by. That was them driving by in a loud car. They're letting me know that they're coming. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. (laughs) 